This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 49. Welcome to the podcast. Today I am in Novi, Michigan at the Mission Veterinary Partners offices. And the reason I'm over here is I came to visit my friend Carlene Bellier. And we're going to talk a little bit today about some interesting stuff. Hi, Carlene. Hi there. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm so happy to be here. I am so excited (laughs) to be with you. We had so much fun the last time we did the podcast, we thought we would do it again. And so today um, we're going to talk about body language because that's something that Carlene has done a lot of research on and has studied on and spoken on in many areas, right? You have a PowerPoint presentation that you do on body language. Yes, I've been studying body language since the 80s. It's just fascinating and fun. I'm so excited. So this is going to be really good for all of you to learn about body language and how you use that in your everyday life. And it's going to be a little bit challenging because we're on a podcast and you can't see us. <laughs> so we're, going to, we're not going to be able to pose or do anything to show you. So we're going to have to be really descriptive with all of this body language stuff. Right, Carlene? You bet. Okay. It'll be fun. All right. So let's just get started. Let's go right into it. So do you want to explain what we're going to talk about and what you want to talk about first? Sure. Um, Well, one of the things I wanted to make people aware is that about 93% of our communication comes from body language. And that sounds like a lot, but when you break it down, it's about 55% that comes from body movement, facial expressions, gestures, all of that. And about 38% comes from your voice. And that might be the pitch of your voice. So if you meet someone and they're talking really loud, you make one judgment. Or if they talk really soft, it's something else. Or if you think about um, how quickly they speak, you, you, if you're talking with someone who talks very quickly, very fast, some of our younger people talk faster, whereas some of our older people talk a little bit slower. When my daughter, who's 24, talks to my mother, who's 81, it's a struggle because she talks faster than my mom can quite process that. But so about 38% comes from your voice and and the modulation and the pitch. And so a very small amount actually comes from our words. So I want to talk a little bit about how to help you with body language, both with your own and with reading other people's, so that you can build rapport and influence and also improve your communications. Yeah, and this is really important for um, the veterinarians out there in their exam room interactions with clients. It's really important with other people that you work with that you understand not only their body language so you can understand what they're trying to tell you, but also your own body language and how you influence people. And it's all part of that self-awareness and things that we all want to develop. So I'm excited. Okay. Okay. Carry on. Tell us what we need to know. Well, the first thing we typically do when we meet people is we shake their hands. And if you think about what's in a good handshake, we know that you want to have it firm in our culture. You want to make good eye contact. Typically, people will do two to three pumps because if you do just one pump, they're kind of left there hanging. Uh, You want to make sure you have dry hands. No one wants like a sweaty palm. You want to repeat their name and look into their eyes. Um, So that's kind of the way we initially meet people. But we can also build rapport with other techniques like mirroring. You may have noticed often when you're with someone, we typically will take on the same position that they take on with their body. 
So they might be, um, they might have their hands folded. Julie and I both have our legs crossed and our hands folded right, right now. Right, as we're, we're sitting kind here. Of mirroring each other. <laughs> yeah, we are. It's so, funny. Yep. And that builds rapport. Another thing that builds rapport is gesturing. And we always want to gesture with our hands kind of open and upward, almost like we're giving information. It just helps people to feel a bit more comfortable and connect with you a little bit more. And that would be that would be something I would think would be important when you're dealing with a client or somebody that you are an authority figure to. Like if you were the boss and you were dealing with a um, subordinate or an employee or something like that, that if you were speaking with them, keeping your hands open and loose is going to be a more um, not powerful position, but more of a welcoming, um, yeah. making them feel more comfortable in the interaction. So rather than keeping your arms folded and being kind of like closed off or keeping your hands kind of a clasp way. Right. Is that right? Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. I mean, okay. we tend to in Michigan kind of <laughs> fold up because it's cold and we fold our <laughs> arms and and it really comes off as you're closing yourself off to other people. And, and we don't want to do that if we're trying to build this rapport and Building influence. Rapport, yeah. Another thing you mentioned was um, having your hands open. And showing your hands is really important for building trust. In fact, um, the, the brain will look for the hands first when you meet somebody new. And that probably dates back to caveman days, if you know, you're going to meet somebody for the first time and somebody might uh, have something in their hand where they might hurt you. Yeah. So we look yeah. at the hands first. It's that so, fight or flight thing yeah. that, we, that we have in our brain. Be sure when you're when you're meeting somebody and when you're trying to influence them that you show your hands and you have these open gestures. I know that's what I was pointing to you. <laughs> I, I was like, we got freaking Santa Claus Holy here. Crap, there's a Santa in our lobby. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Santa just walked into the building. We can, we can see through a window. We're in an office and Santa and there's a dog and it's like mass chaos where we're at. So. <laughs> Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Hi. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so cool. This is Santa. Hi, Santa. Have a meeting. I. Yeah, we are. We're on the podcast. No. No. It's recording, so we're fine. We can cut you out or leave you in. So it'll be up to us, I guess. If Santa wants to be on the podcast. Is there a message you would like to send? Well, you could say Merry Christmas for sure, right? Certainly. Is that why you're here? To wish yeah, us all yeah. Merry Christmas? That's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Say hi, everyone. Oh, I see. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and they have their dog. And yep, Luna. Santa's yeah, little helper is here. Luna's all dressed companion. up. That's amazing. Wish you guys happy holidays. Yeah, and say from Faithful Companion. Awesome. Thank you so you much. Look Thank fabulous. you. Well, thank yeah. you. Like, totally Santa. Yeah, he is a good-looking Santa. Oh, my God. Yeah. I am Santa. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. He's the real one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I believe it. I'm in. Yeah, we're all in. Cool. Well, happy holidays. Yeah. Guys are nice. Thank you so much. Keep being good. Good okay. to see you, Santa. We'll yeah. It was Santa. I'm like, Santa's here. <laughs> all right. Okay, so where were we before Santa rudely interrupted us? So I think we were talking about showing hands. So yes. you definitely yep. don't want to be folded up or have your hands in your pocket or you know be sitting on your hands or anything like that. You want to do these open gestures to build rapport and trust with especially new people that haven't met you before. Yeah, or people that, like if you're in an interaction when you're trying to 
maybe counsel someone, that would be important as well, I would think. Like if you have to talk to somebody about being late to work or it, you would come across less threatening. Yes. You think? If yeah. you had open hands? Yeah. Rather than like all balled up Absolutely. or crossed up. Okay, cool. And even if you do interviews, you know, if you're doing a video interview, for example, back up far enough from the computer camera so that you can show your hands when you're talking and use those open gestures to build that rapport. Okay. Yeah. So you're not right in the, like, it's not just a headshot. Mm -hmm. It would be more, more yeah. welcoming to people. Yep. That's interesting. That's good. Um, well, one of the things I like to remind people is that the way you position your body tells your brain how you're feeling about yourself. Mm, so yeah, if, absolutely. It's that thoughts. Yeah. yeah. So if you are folded up, you tell your brain that you're less powerful and not as confident. Whereas if you expand your body more, you tell your brain you are more powerful. Yeah. So if you have ever seen the Amy Cuddy TED Talk on body language, she talks a lot about opening your body up and telling your brain that you're powerful. And if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. It's yes, great. Yes, for sure. And so if you're going into a situation that maybe you're nervous about, maybe you are going to a meeting that you're concerned about, or maybe you have to give somebody some critical feedback, or maybe you have to ask for help, or uh, maybe you're in an interview situation, if you expand your body for a couple minutes before you go into these situations, you actually tell your brain that you're more powerful and you feel more confident. It's called power posing. And it's basically just maybe putting your hands on your hips like Wonder Woman or spreading your arms in the air to you know, make a giant V or putting your hands behind your head, anything where you're spreading your body out. And obviously you don't wanna do this like in the lobby before you go in for an important <laughs> you meeting can, or interview. But, but somebody might see you. <laughs> you can even do it. I read a study um, about people doing it mentally that were paralyzed yes, and yeah. it works mentally or you can go in a restroom and do it. Yeah. But you feel more confident and, and we want you to feel confident when you go in. Most of you in the veterinary field do struggle with that imposter syndrome and I know that you know, you've talked about that yes. before, Julie, yeah. but we want you to feel confident and your body tells your mind how you're feeling. Yeah, and you can actually do this. I've done it before when I pick up paperwork to go in with a client and it's a particularly challenging client. Like I know them and I know I'm gonna need to be really patient and like I know this person's gonna challenge me. I'll like set that paperwork back down and I'll walk into our lunchroom and I'll do a few power poses or I'll like <laughs> shake out or dance around, you know, just to kind of get my brain in a good spot to be patient and happy and open so I'm not tensed up when mm -hmm. I'm dealing with these challenging clients. So it's definitely something you can use in your everyday life. And I remember one time I had to give a speech for like graduation or something and I was terrified, terrified, like my heart was pounding. And I did a few power poses and it kind of helped calm me down. So yeah, it really works. Yeah. And it, it helps with your confidence for sure. And one of the struggles I think we have now is that we are all very addicted to our phones. Yes. And when we have our phones in our hand, we tend to slouch over our phones and Absolutely. we tell our brain we're yep. less powerful and we are not as confident then. So especially if you're going to an important meeting or something, you definitely don't want to be waiting to go into the meeting slouched over your phone. Um, because you'll automatically feel less powerful, which is like really crazy, right? It is. Yeah, just you wouldn't think looking at your phone would make you less powerful, but it actually right. does. And it does our, something to your brain. Our phones really affect our interactions. So we definitely, when we're trying to connect with someone, 
don't want to be holding our phone even because it tells the person that they're less important. You know, we always want to set our phone down or put it in a pocket or put it somewhere so that we're so not you can't reach it. being affected by it and our, our people that we're influencing are being affected by right. it. Right, absolutely. Yeah, that's super important, especially now because everybody has their phone in their hand. They do. Yeah, it's terrible. So let's talk a little bit about how to tell if someone's lying. I'm sure that you guys have clients come in all the time that will say, oh gosh, Fluffy came down with this yesterday, but you know very well that Fluffy has had that for two weeks. And you want to gather more information and you want to be able to tell if they are lying to you about other things. Um, And so there's some different ways you can tell. And these are generalities, so you can't really think of one particular tell and say, oh, that person's lying. But if you see clusters of three of these things, typically you want to ask more questions because it's likely that they're lying. So some people think that liars don't make good eye contact, but they usually do make good eye contact. Purposefully, probably. Yeah. Because they know they're lying and they're trying to fool you. And they think if they don't look you in the eye that you'll know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. But if you watch, their blink rate will increase and their eyes will dart around a little bit more. And in fact, if they, if you're looking in a person's eyes and they look up and to the left or to the left straight out, typically they may be fabricating some information. So you hmm. want to watch for that. And that's true for everybody. Like it doesn't matter if you're right-handed or left-handed. It actually switches. That's, that's oh, does for it? right-handed. Thank okay. you for bringing okay. that up. Yeah, I just didn't know that. That's yes. It. I, I mean, I've listened to this talk from you before, but I didn't <laughs> remember that <laughs> if it would change for right or left-handers. Yes. 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 Okay, cool. And liars will often touch their face or their nose or partially cover their mouth with their hand or a finger. It's almost like their body doesn't want to say the lie. Uh, They will sometimes purse their lips or kind of keep their lips tight together. Often they will will move in such a way that their body isn't matching what they say. So you can watch for that. Sometimes they will nod nod yes while saying no or nod no while saying yes, which is really hard to do when you think about it, but somehow they do it. Well, because in their brain, they've got the truth. Yes. And so they're nodding. Whichever way they're nodding is the real, the real truth, but they're saying the opposite. So that makes total sense to me. Excellent like their brain point. knows the truth. Mm-hmm. So if, if they know it's no, the answer is no, and they're nodding yes, then yeah, their brain, yes. when they're saying yes, I mean, then their brain is saying no because they know that's the truth. Well, That's it, interesting. And if you ask someone a yes-no question and they answer with well, <laughs> chances are it may be a lie. So, and you can do this like with your children. Did you go to that party? Well, yes, they did. Yeah. So then you know. Okay. That's great. You Um, you can use this with your kids. That's amazing. Absolutely. (laughs) And they will sometimes do self-soothing gestures, you know, where they're kind of petting themselves, touching their arms or their legs or rubbing their hands together. Um, Any of those by themselves may not mean someone's lying. But if you see several of of them together, you may want to ask some additional questions. And that's really interesting when you're dealing with clients. I like to ask a lot of questions because a lot of times they'll contradict themselves in the, you know, they'll tell the tech one thing, they'll tell us something different, or they'll tell you one thing and then three sentences later they'll tell you something different. So you can usually get to the truth if you ask enough questions. And you don't have to back them into a corner and make them feel threatened. You just have to be like really open and calm and then usually you'll get to the truth, I find anyway. I agree. 
You can also watch for microexpressions, and there are seven universal microexpressions that they're less than a second long. It's just a flash, and often, you know, in a exam room, we're taking notes or we're looking at the pet, so it's hard to catch them. Yeah, but if unless you can, you're staring somebody right in the face. Yeah, but if you can catch them, you can address them. So the seven micro microexpressions are disgust, and that's where you kind of pull the upper lip up. We all know that disgust face. Yeah, like if something smells bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I think of it as. Exactly. <laughs> you just smelled something bad. That's disgust. Yeah. I mean, you see something like that, and you can say to the client, hey, you know, please tell me what you're really thinking. Things are still changeable. You might see a flash of anger. You know, that's the brows down. Usually the mouth is closed. Maybe it's about money. Who knows? But if you see that, you can use some calming language and some open gestures and a kind tone and see if you can get more information. Sometimes we see a flash of fear, and that can be about a treatment plan or something that's happening with the animal, and that's usually eyes wide open and the mouth just a little bit open. So if you see that flash of fear, you might want to ask some additional questions, you know, about or, or give them additional information on what's going to happen with their animal. They're probably afraid that something's going to go wrong or something. Or they're not understanding what you're telling them. I've had clients that you're trying to tell them, you know, we can fix this, but they're not quite getting it. And they're thinking you're telling them that this pet's not going to get better. And so if you can read that fear and, and alleviate that fear in some way by what, either what you say or the way you act, it's going to help. Absolutely. For sure, yeah. Absolutely. And then another one of them is sadness. And typically with adults, that's the corners of the mouth turned down. And if you see that on a client, you may want to give them some space and say, hey, why don't you go home and think about this, and I will call you about three today, and we'll talk through the procedure again. So they can kind of get their brain in a better place to hear what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. And the next one is happiness. And most people can tell a real smile from a fake smile. And usually a re real smile will have eye wrinkles, unless the person has had Botox. <laughs> and then it's all out the window. <laughs> then you know? forget it. Yeah. You'll never see those wrinkles. That's amazing. And sometimes a fake smile will be a little bit asymmetrical as well. But if you see that fake smile, you're going to want to ask some more questions, maybe address some things that a client might have. And smiling is also contagious. So if you're trying to influence somebody, if you smile, chances are they will smile. And you can experiment with this a little bit with friends and family and just try to get somebody to have a straight face and smile at them for a few seconds and see if they can keep the straight <laughs> face. And they usually can. Yeah, most of the time not. So the last couple uh, microexpressions are surprise. And that's full on eyes wide open, mouth wide open. It's really a quick quick show of like um, when we looked up and saw Santa yes <laughs> we were very surprised <laughs> that's what we looked like <laughs> yes you see that yeah. then you know you take a little time to ask some more questions right and the last one is contempt and that's one side of the mouth turned up and those people may be masking anger and hatred and if you don't have to deal with them that's great if you do I guess you know you just proceed with caution wow but yeah, in all cases, too, when, when you see these little flashes of expressions, if you say something like, maybe I'm wrong here, but, and then ask some additional questions, try to get some additional information out of your clients or coworkers or friends and family. Yeah, and don't be afraid to, you know, wade in. If, if you think someone's misunderstanding what you're trying to portray, you know, just say so. Say, mm -hmm. I think you're misunderstanding where I'm trying to go. You know, if, if you're making someone angry, 
try to really read it and don't keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. Because <laughs> they're just going to get more angry yes. until you figure out what the anger, where the anger is coming from. Yep. Yeah. Watching That's people great. is really important. Yeah. Overall, you know, you really just want to show humble confidence with keeping your arms loose, keeping your face up, your chest up, not being folded up, using your hands, upper body movement as well. And remember your posture. We haven't really touched on that yet. But so many of us, especially because we're folded over our phones, we don't always have the best posture. Yeah, that's a struggle for me. I'm not very good with my posture. And I have to think about it. You have to be conscious. Yeah. I do too. It's easy to slouch, you know. Yes. Like right now, we're both, we both we're both sit up sitting straighter. up straighter. <laughs> yeah, it's not something that comes real naturally. Everybody yes. wants to be like slouched and relaxed, and it does. It isn't always best. Yes, and some people are good when they're standing, you know, with their shoulders back and down, um, their head straight up, kind of like there's a rope coming out the top of their head so that your spine is expanded. That's when you look more confident and powerful. But sometimes when we sit down, we lose it. You know, we just kind of fold over in our chairs. And if we're trying to impress people or connect well, we definitely want to have good posture and tell our brains that, that we're confident and powerful. Well, and there are probably times when you want to look less powerful, I was just thinking as you were saying that, I'm wondering if there are ever times where you have somebody that's across from you, either a client or or someone that you work with, that's very timid and very um, not confident, that if you come across as too big and too powerful and too confident, that might be a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's where that mirroring, when you're talking about mirroring, that's where you could use some of that. So if you have great posture and you come in and somebody's very folded up, you bringing yourself down to either a sitting position or folding a little bit on yourself might be helpful, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, that's why it's really important to observe other people's body language Absolutely. when you're using this as a tool. Well, getting think. on their level, you right. know, uh, if, if you want to appear more powerful and you're in a room full of people sitting, you can stand. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to connect with them to sit and be on their level is important. Yeah. And I think in that situation that you mentioned with a client, maybe even getting down if they have an animal that's on the floor or something, getting down on the floor to connect with that animal makes them more comfortable. Yeah, I really think that that is a kind of like a gold star tool for veterinarians is clients love it when you sit on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's really like if I have really bad news for a client or I'm really going to have a serious talk with them, sometimes getting down with the dog and petting the dog while you're talking to the client, it's super powerful Mm -hmm. because it puts you not only on their level, but also in a position of more caring for the pet because you're on the floor with the pet and then puts you in that less, you know, you've already got the white coat. You're already super powerful in the client's eyes. And if you have to deliver either bad news or this person is very timid, getting on the floor is amazing. And sometimes that will get us our best feedback. You know, my mom said that to me once. She took her dog into a veterinarian over by her house and she loved the vet. She was like, this vet was amazing. And I said, mom, what was amazing about her? Well, she got right on the floor with Daisy and right on the floor (laughs) and was kissing her and hugging her. And I'm like, well, that makes her a good vet then, right? Like she had no idea about her medicine, no idea about this vet at all. But the fact that the vet got on the floor with, with Daisy, who is her love, that made her an amazing vet. And so that's something, that's all body language. Yeah. And I've had people come up to me in sessions that are, I had one gentleman that was very, very tall. He was like 6'6". Six, six. And he said to me, you know, every time I go in an exam room, people look at me almost with fear, you know? Because <laughs> he was big, yeah. And I had said to him, well, 
sitting down might be yeah, your get best a stool. bet. Yeah. And I had another girl come up to me that was like 4'10", and she's like talking about the struggle just to be up <laughs> high enough to be on, to be able to access the animal on the table yeah, and all that. And yeah. I said, well, what about a, a nice stool? Yeah, like a step stool. Just to kind yeah. of get up so that your head is the same level with the client. And, yeah, 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 it is. It's, it's interesting when you really start to think about it because it comes so naturally to us, but if you really think of, about it, in many situations, you can use it as a tool to yes. your advantage. Yes. Not only when you you are going into interview for a position, but also when you're in that powerful position of either being the veterinarian or the technician or whatever your job is. Right. One of the things that um, I mentioned Amy Cuddy's TED Talk earlier, one of the things that she recommends is, is doing these power poses for two minutes before stressful events. Um, and she has MBA students at Harvard University that she does experiments with. And in one of her experiments, what they did was a five-minute high-stress interview with a gentleman who had absolutely no facial expressions and really didn't move. So what she <laughs> did is, hard. yeah, she told half of her students to high-power pose for two minutes before they went in for the interview, and the other half to low-power pose and fold up for two minutes before they went in for their interview. And they recorded these interviews when the students went in and they played the interviews back for these people they called coders who knew nothing about power posing or low power posing. And all the coders did is they watched the, the interview and picked who they wanted to hire and who they didn't want to hire. And in almost all cases, they selected the students who had high power posed because they perceived them more positively. So. There's so many studies out there that are so interesting that show that just expanding your body does make you feel more confident and better about yourself. So I encourage people to really use that tool when they're stressed out about something, like you said, with a client. And so just another example of how to use that for interviews. If you're, if you're interviewing, you're looking for a different job maybe at some point. If you go into an interview and if you have the option of sitting at an angle at, the, at a table as opposed to directly across from a client, or I'm sorry, someone interviewing you, sit at an angle because you appear to both be on the same side. And don't carry too much stuff in or you look disorganized. Carry one thing if you can. Um, show your hands, make good eye contact, smile, don't fidget, don't touch your face, have good posture, and you come off really well in interviews. Yeah, I, I um, coached a young gentleman one time because he was going to go interview for vet school and he was having trouble like he was interviewing but he wasn't getting in and so I said well why don't you come in and we'll practice interview and the first thing I noticed about him is the way he sat in the chair it was very very diminished like he he got really really small he didn't cross his legs he was very he looked very unpowerful if, if that's a word and um, so as we were pra doing practice interviews, I said, you need to sit differently because you, just looking at you is making me not want to hire you. And, it, and I felt bad saying that to him, but it was true. And he was a very shy, I, I don't want to say introvert, introverted, but he, that was kind of the impression that I got. So I basically practiced different ways for him to sit. I said, try crossing your leg. Try sitting up straighter. Put your hands here. And we practiced different poses in the chair until I got one that I thought looked good. And I was like, okay, that's the way I want you to sit in your next interview. And then I said, and sit that way for the rest of our time together. And at first it bothered him, like he was really self-conscious about it. 
but the, I just made him sit that way. And I said, can you do that? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, you look much more confident now than you did sitting the other way. And so we, we went through, I had a bunch of, our, of the other vets interview him. Like we did a lot of different questions with him. And then, and I don't know if this is why he got into vet school, but he got in that year. And nice. so, yeah, so I was like, okay, well maybe that helped, you know, just the different way of sitting. And, and that was the one example, cause I had heard you speak about it before that it really made sense to me because mm -hmm. just looking at him in the chair, I was like, and he was a brilliant guy. Like he was super smart. But it was it was amazing. So just making him sit differently, it really did work. It matters. Yeah. Oh yeah, it made yeah. him a, a whole different person. Yeah, like a whole different impression. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I was so. speaking to a group of high school seniors a couple days ago, and talking about interviewing, and they were in a place where they are interviewing. Now. Yeah, yeah. For and I was talking right? to yeah, I was talking to a young man who was very tall, and as he sat down to kind of mock interview with me, he was so folded over, kind of like what you're mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah, exactly the same. And I literally had to go behind him and push the center of his back and kind of pull his forehead back because yeah. we're so used to folding up. Yeah, and, yeah. And he looked so much better. It was just a whole new person. Yeah. So that's great. And was he, did he accept it? Like, did he understand what you were trying to help him do? Yes, eventually. He struggled at okay. first. Yeah, it's a struggle when you ask somebody to sit differently yeah. than they want to. Their brain wants to. They didn't, yeah. Yeah, it they makes your like brain uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Because their their instinct is to fold up. So, right. yeah. But if you can get over that little uncomfortable feeling and then remember that it's going to be to your benefit, it definitely works out better for you. And another thing I kind of wanted to touch on um, is cultural differences. All right, let's do it. We all have um, different types of people coming into our practices and our businesses. Absolutely. And we yeah. want to be incredibly respectful of everyone. And when people come into our practices, the greetings aren't always a handshake for some people. And some people, they don't want a handshake. They, they're kind of not into the germ stuff. Right. Um, but different cultures have different ways of doing handshakes even. So in some of the African countries and some of the Asian countries, they like a softer handshake. Uh, in Japan, they will usually exchange business cards first. And the person who is perceived to be more powerful will bow less as they bow to each other. Hmm. Um, in, in some countries, they do the cheek kissing. Yes, and you see that a lot on TV. People always do that. <laughs> uncomfortable at times because you never know, is the person going in for one side or the other side? Yeah. And inevitably, I always get a, meet in the a middle. nose bonk or something. <laughs> that doesn't happen in practice. But right. um, one of the things that I learned is that sometimes when you do a single finger gesture, it will mean different things in different cultures. So it might be like a thumbs up or it might be a peace sign or it might be an okay type sign. Um, and they mean different things in other cultures. They can mean things like an orifice or up yeah. yours. And we certainly don't Not want- necessarily good things, to, right? Yeah, we don't want to communicate things like that. So the safest thing that I find in in these kind of situations is so if you don't know what to do let the other person lead first and just follow their lead and then use open gestures with your fingers together avoiding any single finger gesture rather than pointing you can just use your hands to point right no one likes pointing your finger away. right those are right, always for bad. sure um, so yeah because we just want to to learn about other cultures and have a deep respect for them but there's no way we can know everything about them and how to handle that 
So, Carlene, what about like head nodding? Like when you're talking to somebody or they're talking to you, I find myself doing this with clients and sometimes I, I'm in my head going, am I nodding too much? What am I doing here? Um, so it, does that have any significance? You know what I mean? When people are talking and you're nodding and you're just sitting there nodding, like what is what body language is that portraying? As I'm nodding back at you? Yeah, we're both nodding at each other. So nodding is important and a lot of us tend to be people pleasers. And so if you're a people pleaser, that's why I you do tend it. <laughs> to nod a lot. Yeah. And nodding at a reasonable pace is usually just fine, but sometimes people become a bobblehead and they nod really fast and they look kind of impatient. And so we don't yes. want to nod too much. One thing you can do with nodding that, that I've found is very powerful is if you're trying to get more information and you stop talking and you look at the person and you nod slowly three times, they will generally start talking to you and give you additional information. I think it works well with clients. It works well with coworkers. You know, you just stop talking, three slow nods, and you'll get some more information. Hmm. And if you're interviewing someone and you want a bigger answer than you got, yep. you could use that technique. Yep. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, even the uncomfortable silence adds to that as well. You know, That's we feel like where we I struggle because I want to fill that silence up. But I do find if I can keep my mouth shut, I do get more information yes. and better information. Yeah, the truth eventually comes out if you can keep your mouth shut. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I'm a people pleaser, so that explains why I nod. That makes all kinds of sense. Yes. Okay, cool. Thanks. Well, I can tell you a little bit, too, about body language with legs. Sure. So a lot of us don't pay attention to our legs. And typically, the foot will point towards where you want to go or who you want to be with. So if you think about even when you're in an exam room, chances are if you're trying to leave to get to your next client, your foot's going to be pointed towards the door. Hopefully, your hand isn't on the knob, but, um, you know, some <laughs> people you are, have to, I to get out of the room. <laughs> exactly. But whether you're in social settings or whether you're uh, in meetings or whether you're with a client, watch people's feet because their foot will point towards where they want to go or who they want to be with. So it's just another tell that you so can watch So if someone's for. feet, if you're talking to someone and they're pointing their feet towards you, that's a good sign that they're engaged yes. with you. And if they start like turning away from you, that's a sign that they're sick of you and they want to get away. <laughs> for the <laughs> most right. part. I got to keep an eye on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and if you orient your feet towards somebody, they're going to know that, that you, you're giving them your full attention. Okay. So that's That makes important. all kinds of sense. Yeah. And with feet, too, men and women stand differently, typically. So women are more likely to face each other with their feet pointing towards each other, and men are more likely to stand at kind of an open V. They're just a little more comfortable. Again, these like are generalities. Arm arm kind but of, instead of face-to-face. -face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's excellent. So Anything let your body tell you that you're powerful by keeping it expanded, not being territorial. Use those open gestures, make good eye contact, smile, always orient yourself towards the person that you're trying to influence, and stay away from that folding up kind of look that we all do in the winter when we're cold. Because your body can tell you that you're very powerful. And read other people as well, too, because you'll get so much more information on how other people are feeling, and then you can adapt to react to, to their, what they need. Yeah, and it's all about curiosity and, and trying to notice what other people are doing, and that's how you learn about other people. So this is a really good technique to see what that other person's trying to tell you that's nonverbal, because what did, how many percent did you say? 93%. 93% is body language. Yeah. That's crazy. I know, yeah, right? That's really cool. 
All right. Well, I thank you so much. This was really fun. I really enjoy having you on the podcast, and I hope that we can do more, and we probably will, hopefully. And um, I think this is great information. If you have any questions or comments on this podcast or you want to talk to Carlene or I, just send me an email at jacapeldvm at gmail.com. I'd be happy to email you back. We can send you some of this information. If you're really interested in it, we'd be happy to share. And um, don't be afraid to reach out for help. It's really important in this profession and in this day and age when people are struggling that, you know, we're, we're out here to help you. That's what we want to do. And that's what this podcast is all about. So I really appreciate you being here today, Carlene. Thanks for having me. Thank you me. so much. It was I fun. enjoyed it. And even the Santa interruption, <laughs> I'm hoping I can get some of that on the podcast. <laughs> I really enjoy having you. And um, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, right? Sounds good. All right. Thanks a lot. Everybody have a good week. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>